Our guest this week on Personally Speaking is the great actor Michael Ure. He's starring now on Broadway in Spamalot. Stay with us. Hello and welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Jim Lasanti, and actor Michael Yuri joins me now. Michael hails from Plano, Texas, and trained at the Juilliard School. He's best known for his role as Mark St. James on the successful ABC dramedy series, Ugly Betty. Michael has also appeared on hit shows such as Modern Family, The Good Wife, Younger, and Hot in Cleveland, among many others. He can be seen in Apple TV's series Shrinking, starring Harrison Ford, and he's currently starring on Broadway as Sir Robin in Spamalot. Michael's here with us today to talk about his life, his career, being back on Broadway, and the values that matter the most to him. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome back to Personally Speaking, the great actor, Michael Yuri. Michael, thank you for coming back on Personally Speaking. It's been a lot of years since we last had you. For our listeners and viewers around the world, Michael's now starring in Spamalot. He is Sir Robin. And I got to ask you, I, I, I wanted to know if you really read these things, but Every review that I've read about Spamalot has been wonderful, but particularly Michael Yuri is getting glowing reviews. So I wondered, oh. do you even read reviews? And if you read reviews that are great, like the ones you have right now that tell you the best things in sliced bread, do you also read reviews where you don't get wonderful reviews? <laughs> Good question. Um, I do not read reviews, actually. Okay. Um, I stopped reading reviews. I don't remember when it was. I actually, I haven't really read reviews. I've read a couple of reviews over the years, sort of on accident, um, and then out of uh, in in a couple of moments of weakness. But <laughs> I'm pretty good at it. I I, I haven't. I, it's been probably 16, 17 years since I read since I was a reader of reviews, and um, I just didn't find them helpful, even when they were good. Um, because when they're good, they're not good enough. <laughs> and when they're bad, you 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 either feel terrible about yourself or you dismiss them. And neither neither you know, like dismissing is silly too. Like they're just someone's opinion. And um, I, but this is the thing: you you always know how they are. Um, you always know if they're good or not. And um, I had heard that they were good for Spam a lot, which is really really nice. And yeah. I'm so happy for the show. And of course, you know, I'm glad people are are appreciating what I'm doing. <clears throat> But but I've also been in shows where that opening night party ends early because everyone read the reviews oh. and it wasn't good. <laughs> and um, and, I, and so I just find for myself, I think that I get it. I understand why criticism is important. And I do. And there are I do sometimes read reviews of other things. Like if I've I usually wait until I've already seen it, if I've seen a film or a, okay. a, a play that I really like or I'm not sure about how I feel. Sometimes I'll read a review and get somebody else's interpretation about it. Um, but but yeah, I think I'm a healthier person not reading them for right, me. Right. Some people love it. Some people like to know where they stand. Some people like to know uh, what people are saying about it. And um, and I get it. And I and I and I and as much as I would like um, for negative opinions to not 
be in print. I understand the need for them. <laughs> Michael, I'm reading, I just finished reading a book on uh, Mike Nichols, the wonderful director. And uh, I'm surprised at how sad uh, criticism of any kind could make him, where it would send yeah. him despondency. I'm just wondering, because every actor gets notes from uh, the director. When, when criticism comes, hopefully constructive, but criticism, just as a person since childhood till now, do you welcome it? Um, yeah, I, I, is that Mark Harris's book? That's a wonderful book. I read that. I read that, um, Mike Nichols book too. And I, I was also surprised that someone as brilliant as him would be, um, affected, but yeah, I think I, when I first started acting, I didn't think I could do it. I didn't think I was, there was anything I was, I was, I really didn't think I could do it. And to this day, I still have like, I still will have imposter syndrome. So <laughs> I think I've always been pretty good at taking um, taking criticism and and uh, you know if it's constructive and if it's part right. of the work you know like in in um, in a rehearsal situation or in um, you know during a, a, a shoot if somebody has an adjustment or has a, um, a comment or a critique or an idea. I think I'm pretty good at it. I, there are times I, you know, that pop into my head where I haven't been where I, and, and I've regretted it because, because I think, you know, uh, I, I think the collaboration is, is really important and I am not able to see what an outside eye is seeing. So it, it, it sort of would be foolish for me not to at least listen and entertain the idea um, that, that it might not be working what I'm doing or that it might not be its best. Right. Um, but, but, and and so it it, it can be really tough to to take to take criticism sometimes, and especially if you don't agree with it. Um, <laughs> but but I, I, I like to think I'm pretty good at it. Welcome, if it's constructive, Michael Yuri's I guess Michael, you were last on at least seven or eight years ago, and I, I mentioned that because I'm just wondering. You lived through, as we all did, the experience of the pandemic, and you know, uh, in the priest business, life goes on. But when you're in creative arts, especially in theater. Um, I presume a lot of life shut down. What did you do during that long period of uh, an inability to be as creative as you normally would be? It was not easy. Um, uh, and I and I and I, I there was some dark times for all of us, but I and I definitely experienced them. I was very lucky. I have a um, wonderful partner who I share my life with and we have a dog and a cat. So oh, we were together Um and actually, when the pandemic hit, when the shutdown started, I was in Los Angeles about to shoot a TV pilot. And um, and and as soon as the show was, my show was canceled, my pilot was canceled, I ran to the airport to come home to be with Ryan. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm so glad I did because, um, I, you know, that, that idea that two weeks, you know, that we all remember, it'll be a two week shutdown, it'll two, be a two week shutdown, that that obviously didn't happen. And so I was so, so glad um, to be together. But also, I'm, my partner's a, a, a wonderful actor and um, writer. And we have in our in the past, we have also made things ourselves, movies and podcasts and, and um, web series and things. So we were we got really creative um, during the pandemic. We did a lot of things together. Um, we made a lot of things. We helped each other make a lot of things. Ryan made a whole movie all on Zoom that I helped him a little bit with. We did um, this. I did this one man play for a long time called Buyer and Seller that Jonathan Tolans wrote. Really, really brilliant play about um, 
a, a fictional story about a fictional guy who gets hired to work in Barbara Streisand's very real basement mall um, that we did off-Broadway for a long, long time. And I was supposed to do it um, um, in in like April, I think, of 2020 as a fundraiser. And um, when we couldn't do it live, we decided we'd do it in our apartment. So we cleared all the furniture, we, we lowered all the shades, and we put on the play on Zoom in our apartment. And we had two cameras ro rolling, and it was sort of like a two-camera sitcom, you know, like... Um, um, where the, the angles would switch and, and we did it live, um, on, um, broadway.com as a fundraiser for Broadway cares, equity fights AIDS. And, and we raised over a quarter million dollars. Mm -hmm. And so like we, we, we kept very, very busy, um, actually during the pandemic and, um, very it's creative. all, yeah, we got, we got really creative and especially as theater people, we were most were, you know, like. We, we, we weren't so worried that film and TV would eventually come back, but the idea that like people wouldn't want to commune in a theater together um, was very scary to us. And so we wanted to help people in theater um, remember what that feeling was like. So that's why it was so important to me that it be live when we did Byron Seller in the living room, because that's the tightrope walk that we all love. It's not just the story and the production that we love when we go see theater we love that it's happening before us the feat of it happening right there in front of us you know the night before they shut down i was uh, going to a broadway play uh, who's afraid of virginia wolf and the next day they announced that one of the ushers who'd given us a program had been infected and was you know positive and we really thought for a second we might never be in theater again you know if this yeah. we're sitting so close as people do in theater and it's a wonderful yeah. social experience but not if you're frightened to death of a killer virus. I have to ask you too, because you mentioned that I, Michael Yuri has been around for a long time doing all sorts of stuff, movies and television theater, but I kind of discovered him when he did Buyer and Seller. And I thought he just gave as is Michael's way, great praise to the production and the writer. But uh, that the power of that play for me, at least was your amazing performance. I mentioned that because I got to ask you, um, have you had a chance to pick up the thousand pound autobiography of Barbara Streisand yet? No, I don't, I don't have the strength. Um, I haven't. I haven't picked it up, and I haven't. The audio book is forty-eight hours long. Um, I think I might listen to it someday on fast forward. You right, know, right. I think that might be the way to do it. Um, but I, uh, I haven't. I, I sometimes, you know, of course, because I did that play for so long, and because she's so beloved, and she continues to like find her way back into the news i always hear about everything that's going on with her from <laughs> from somebody um usually from many many different people um but um I, I i i that show was so it was such a part of me and i lived that i lived that show for so long that i kind of feel like i already lived the autobiography <laughs> even though i know i'm sure there are stories in there that i don't know um i um i just can't imagine Doing that show for so long, I did more than 500 performances. And <clears throat> anytime somebody would come that had any great Barbra Streisand story, personal or otherwise, I would hear it. And I got the greatest stories. And so, and so I'm I'm just like, I'm so I'm so grateful for those personal anecdotes that I got from people. Um that I guess I don't feel the need or anything more, but I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll listen to it eventually. Or I'll later, all 48 hours. Michael, you is our guest. He's starring in Spamalot. I ask our friends and the relatives from around the country who are coming to New York to go to see it. I just recommended it to a bunch of priests coming up from uh, 
South Carolina and uh, C. Michael is Sir Robin. But I got to ask you, too, because um, uh, I'm intrigued by uh, who you are, not just what you play. Um, not long ago on page six of the New York Post, of all things, they had a little uh, blurb about you. But what, what was striking is it kind of captured you in that people get quoted on that page all the time for kind of, uh, you know, nasty things they know about someone else or uh, they pile on to pick on people. And whatever they're asking you about, you came back typically as Michael Urey saying nice things about the people they were talking about. Uh, if they were looking for good dirt, they didn't get it from you. But it goes yeah. back to what's always been my impression of you is this incredible, and it's not a weak word, it's a good word, a kind and a, a nice man. Where does that come from in you? Oh, well, that's very nice of you to say. I mean, I think a lot of it comes from my parents. My parents were, I grew up in Texas, um, in the suburbs of Dallas, mm -hmm. and um, and also the suburbs of Houston. And, and you know, I, my dad's from Oklahoma originally, my mom's from Texas. Um, and I grew up, you know, I grew up in a, an environment that had bigotry, um, but my parents never, ever um, expressed any kind of bigotry, ever. Wow. Um, whereas I would meet people, know people that were homophobic or racist or sexist. Mm -hmm. My parents were never that way. And um, we had, they, they, I remember them having gay friends when I was a kid and, and having um friends that were people of color and um th they they never ever judged anyone and um so i i was really lucky to have those people and to be in a place where that wasn't always the way mm -hmm. um you know like there is bigotry in texas and it it, it does certainly then it does exist um but the, as far as like the showbiz of it all because it, you know getting getting grilled on a red carpet can be tricky um yeah. You never know what someone's going to ask you. And, and the, you know, the camera's on you, the microphone's in your face and, and you, you gotta, you gotta roll with it, whatever it is. And so you, you, your brain has to act quickly and think and think fast. But I would also, you know, like I always credit, I always credit um, my incredible co-stars in Ugly Betty, which was my first big break, um, this was this amazing TV show I was on about um, about a, a, a young woman who gets hired to work in a fashion magazine and really doesn't know anything about fashion and hasn't ever um, lived her life the way a fashion magazine employee might. And I played one of the um, the sort of mean fashion istas that worked there. And so there was a lot of bigotry in the show, comical, comical bigotry, and there was good and evil, and um, the bad guys always got their just desserts, and the good guys always triumphed. Um, but but we we dealt with those issues a lot, and behind the scenes, we were a lot of newcomers and some veterans. So I was there. It was my first big break. We had Mark and Delicato, who was 11 when we started. So it was definitely his big break. Becky Newton was making a big, having a big break. Ana Ortiz was having a big break. And then we had Vanessa Williams, who was a star. And we had Judith Light, who was a star. And we had Tony Plana, who had been on every TV show in history from the 80s, 90s, <laughs> and, and up until that point. And these three, who were kind of our leaders... Um, they taught us the business. I mean, I felt like I learned the business from them, the business of working on a TV set, the business of being on a red carpet, the business of being famous. I learned from these three incredible people and, um, and they taught me all of us. 
And also America Ferreira, who was the star of the show. And even though she was only like 20 or 21 when we started, she was so ahead in years, such a much older soul. And she was immediately a household name when the show premiered. And so, and I know she looked to Judith and Vanessa and Tony too, but we all looked to her wow. as this sort of wunderkind that suddenly was a giant star. And I learned from Vanessa how to walk a red carpet, how to get get spun in an interview. And Lord knows she was spun in a few interviews. Yeah. And I learned from Judith Light how to treat people on a crew. And I learned from Tony Plana how to work as an actor in 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 a in a, in, in a TV grind. Um. So I really attribute them to a lot of like, really everything that I do as a, as like a professional actor of mm -hmm. note. Like like that I if I'm if I'm lucky enough to have um, notoriety. I think it's because they taught me how to sustain it, and and their kindness. We had Vanessa Williams on not too long ago, and I was yeah. delighted that uh, you know I had this image of her just as a diva, and and she was just very very nice and normal and down oh, yeah. to earth. And I said, you want to keep the glasses on during the interview? Yeah, sure. This is what I do. This is how I look. You know, and and it was just a refreshing thing to see. My, Michael Urias, our guest, we're talking about his whole life and career, but also right now he's starring in Spamalot. You know, I had a, a chance to take a kid uh, born and raised in the South Bronx, maybe late teens, to see his first Broadway play before the pandemic. And I was struck by watching him watch the stage because he'd never seen a play before mm. and, and how magical it was for him. Now, every night there are kids who come to spend a lot who probably have not seen a play or musical before. And but you're doing this sometimes seven, eight times a week. And I'm just wondering, you want for that kid out there for it to be exciting and new and amazing but for you it may be the hundredth time you've done it where does it come from the ability to pace yourself to be fresh not to lose heart in a part you've played so many times before how do you do that well exactly that you know i think the answer is in your question it's for those people the the it's for the people who've never seen a show before or who are seeing a broadway show for the first time mm -hmm. um they I want them to come back. I want them. I know that they'll remember it because because even if you only see one Broadway show your whole life, you remember. Oh, yeah, I saw a Broadway show one time. Um, I want them to have a positive experience. And and so I, I want I, I can't possibly go out there and not give 100 percent because I want them to remember it 100 percent. And um, every night, you know, we go out and sign autographs at the stage door and somebody's seeing a Broadway show for the first time or somebody seeing a show for the first time. And that is really special because I remember my first Broadway show it was Ragtime with the original cast, Brian Stokes Mitchell, Audrey McDonald. <laughs> and I'll never forget that. Um, it was magical and incredible and blew my mind. And I can remember every second of it. And um, and so that I get to be part of that because I mean, I do a lot of theater and, and I'm sure there were many, many performances of buyer and seller where no one in the audience 200 people was seeing a play for the first time. But on Broadway, in a musical like Spamalot, you are getting first timers. And that is really, really important. I want to talk too with Michael. Michael's been mentioned a couple of times in this interview, his partner, Ryan, and we've had the privilege of having Ryan on our program too. Mm. Um, and I mentioned that because it's not a short-term relationship. This has been going on for years with you two. And uh, I'm just wondering how... You know, we're in, in my business with celibate priests. We never marry, but I am mystified when I counsel people who are married at how they keep relationship fresh and going and creative. Um, when you're with someone that you love a long time, 
how do you make it exciting, new, refreshing, and life-giving? It's a lot of patience, Okay. um, a lot of love. We have to like each other. I think that's a big part of it. We really like each other. <laughs> um, we also like, you know, sometimes I'm up, sometimes I'm down and vice versa. And, and we know, um, we know, we, we know each other so well that uh, when he needs a lift, I know it and vice versa. And, um, so I think, I think that partnership thing is, um, picking up the slack, you know, when the other person needs it, which, which can be, um, which, 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 you know, if, 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 if I wasn't there to do that and he wasn't there to do that, then we would lose trust and we would lose confidence in one another. Um, but, but he's always been there for me and I've always been there for him. And I think he makes me laugh. Um, I make him laugh. I think those things really help. And, um, you know, he's the first person I want to, he's the, you know, when something happens to me and, and I think, you know, oh, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell Ryan about that. You know, like I, I he, he's the one I want to tell. Um, it's that, it's that person. He's that person for me. And, and I'm very lucky. We've been together 15 years. Um, we celebrated 15 years in October and, um, that's cool. It's, it's really, I, I really, I feel, I feel, I feel really glad that acquaintances almost every time i see an acquaintance they say hey how's ryan um and that that's I, it means a lot that that to be to be sort of tied to a person that i i like so much and that other people want to know about isn't that great that's and you know you're describing right now what uh every heterosexual couple that i counsel says too in a good marriage a good relationship so it, it goes back yeah to that notion of love being love being love um you know i'm happy that in the catholic church we have a guy like pope francis who after meeting with guys who were gay in Chile, said, uh, the Pope doesn't care that you're gay. God doesn't care that you're gay. You only care, God only cares, and the Pope only cares that you live good lives and 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 you live a good life. And uh, I have to say, though, I think one of the first times I saw you on stage was in the temperamentals, and that was going back to an age when there was such intolerance. Just in the 15 years that you're together with Ryan or since you come into maturity, um, do you feel a lot safer about the world in terms of acceptance and embrace? Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, when we first dated, I, I was hesitant to hold hands in public Yeah. or be affectionate in public. We had an experience at a bar once where um, we were being affectionate, not, you know, not gratuitously, but, you know, arms around each other and we got cut off. They cut us off. We, we, ordered, we tried to order another round and they said, no, you're cut off. Um,
Yeah, it's very, sometimes you're tired and it's it's time for the show to end. Um, Sometimes the show ends because the people stopped coming. Yeah. Um, Sometimes the TV show gets canceled. Um, Sometimes it's just one day, you know, you, you work one day with a group of people and that's it. And I've had so many, I've been very lucky. I've had so many different jobs and, and I've had one day jobs that were incredible. I've had um, four month jobs. I wish I could forget, but, but <laughs> the, the, the camaraderie of the people, especially in the theater where, you know, you're, you're working so hard together mm-hmm. and um, you're, you're all in your, you know, you're, you're an ensemble um and it's at night so you know there's a lot more socializing than than with the tv the tv family because you go out after the show or or you know it's just it's just different because you're because it's at night or you're in a long rehearsal and you have dinner breaks together and um it can be really sad to 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 leave a family and and sometimes the family stays together i did torch song off broadway and then again on broadway and that has been a really tight family that cast has remained quite close. They all came to see Spam a lot uh, last week, actually. And that's really special when that happens. Um, but it doesn't happen every time. Not all, not all groups of, not all, you know, chemical makeups are, are um, lasting uh, um, like that one was. Um, sometimes the cast is just too big for something like that to happen. Um, this is a really, I mean, you know, the one I'm in right now is really, really special. A Broadway musical is a whole different beast though. There's so many people. Um, it's not just like the six actors on stage and a few people backstage. This is like cast of nearly 30, um, and crew of that or more. Plus there's the front of house, there's security, there's, um, the company management, stage management, there's the orchestra, there's all of the wardrobe people. I mean, there's just so many people. Plus then there's the marketing people and the press people and the producers. And there's just all these people that come that, that, that are part of the Spamalot family. So that's a big group to, to keep, um, sort of together. Uh, I think the, the, the core group, the cast and, um, the people that are on stage, we are really tight and I hope that we can stay together and stay and stay close. But some people will leave, you know, the, the cash will change and hopefully, hopefully it'll be a really long run and it'll change a lot. I want to thank Michael Ura for being with us and personally speaking, Michael, good to have you back. And for our listeners and watchers, go see Spam a lot and see Sir Robin in action. But uh, whether you see him here or another player musical, uh, Michael's just a wonderful actor, but I wanted, especially in this interview for folks to recognize that he's also an amazingly kind, good, insightful sensitive person and uh uh i'm just so grateful to have you on again and thank you for being with us and thank you for all the good that you do michael thanks so much thank you very much for having me i want to thank you for being with us and personally speaking if you need to reach me for any reason you can write me at personally speaking podcast at gmail.com you probably listen to this program on the catholic channel channel 129 you can also watch us on youtube at personally speaking with monsignor jim Santi. Uh, we're also on Facebook at Personally Speaking with Monsignor Chimosanti, as well as Instagram at Personally Speaking Podcast. I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer, Personally Speaking. Our producer is Lisa Jandovitz. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking.